This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back. This is a bonus episode as we continue to bring our Learning on Fire podcast under the Education on Fire umbrella. Now, who knew at the time of recording that so many children would be forced to learn online because of countries being in lockdown? However, there are many people who've been advocating this for a long while. And this episode, which was originally recorded in September 2018 with I, Addison Zong, tells you exactly the sorts of things that we've been talking about here for quite a long time. And she created a classroom without walls and... It's just so incredible that actually now almost the entire world is having to teach in a way which would have been unthinkable just a few weeks, um, let alone a few months ago. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Ayadison Zong talking about her classroom without walls. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Ai Addison Zhang. Hello Ai, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Uh, hey Mark, thank you so much for having me, truly my honour. So my name is Ai and uh, I am a college professor. I have been teaching in higher education for almost a decade. And the last year we came to Korea with my two young children and my husband because of my husband's job. So we have been in Korea for a year and a half almost. And we have eight or nine months left in Korea. And also this year, I just launched my own company, which is called Classroom Without Wars. And that is what I do outside of the classroom. Besides being a college professor, I'm a digital learning consultant. I help educators make sense of social media so that they can use social media in their classrooms to enhance their teaching and learning and also use social media to transform their own professional careers. And I don't know if I can mention this, I was so honored to be featured in Forbes uh, two weeks ago. So that was really fantastic. The article shared my journey, my entrepreneurial journey as a college professor. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. It was, and the article was fantastic. When I read it, I just thought it was—it just really sort of encapsulated, really, sort of who you are and everything that you were that you were trying to do. And can you just explain a little bit, just just before we move on to the other questions, in terms of what made you want to sort of branch out on your own and sort of create your own business rather than just staying within the confines of your your sort of normal day job? Yeah, that is such a great question. And uh, because as I mentioned, I have been teaching in the classroom higher education for almost a decade. 
when I was on sabbatical, and uh, you know, when you are on sabbatical, you don't go to school to do teaching. So I was at home doing my research, and I just had this feeling, like I'm. I think when I was on sabbatical, I was I was 38 years old. So I was thinking about my life. You know, I think when you are away from the routines of everyday life, you tend to think more about your personal journey. So I was like, I was asking myself, was this going to be my life for the rest of my life? You know, teaching, research, and service. So in a way, I felt like I could almost predict my life in five years, in ten years, <laughs> in twenty years, just going to the same school, teaching about similar classes, and working with similar people. I was like, oh my god, that was scary. So I think I had that moment. And then on the other hand, I also love learning. I teach social media classes. I really enjoyed listening to podcasts related to social media. When I was on sabbatical, I finally had more time to learn about things that I truly wanted to learn. And uh, so I started listening to podcasts. I think there was one is uh, EO Fire. And uh, so that was the first time I got exposed to people who are kind of like digital CEO, had a really like their own business, so passionate about what they do. And every day they were excited about Monday. I was like, really excited <laughs> about Monday? I like, uh, I couldn't believe that. So I just kept learning and kept exploring this. And then later that year, and um, my husband got this chance to come to Korea. So in a way, I almost felt like I manifested this kind of study abroad or travel abroad opportunity to come to Korea through my husband. I was like, yes, let's do this. Even though I knew this may affect my career the most, being that I have this like stable job. So that's like, we just came because I think I'm ready for a change and I wanted to take more risks. And uh, after we came to Korea, it is really interesting in this, cause I'm a Chinese. Korean, I don't speak uh, Korean language. I have never been to Korea myself. Being in this exotic environment activated something within me. And uh, I was a lot more risk taking, a lot more creative. And later I actually read in Adam Grant. I don't know if you know him, he's the author of Original. And I read in that book, he actually mentioned in the book that like when people travel to exotic places, they tend to become a lot more original. I was like, wow, that is exactly my journey. So since we came to Korea, I launched my Facebook live show. I started blogging. And then a few months later, I became a top writer in social media on Medium. But before May last year, I think I blogged maybe three or four times in my entire life. <laughs> And uh, and then later, as I kept working with people, I hired a coach and keep learning. And then like beginning of this year, I launched my own company. So everything, so many changes happened within last year. So my sabbatical was kind of the trigger. And then coming to Korea, just like I pulled the trigger. Everything just like went crazy. And uh, I have to say within the last year, I have grown so, so, so much very challenging to be outside of my comfort zone almost on a daily basis but i believe that's when and how we discover our true selves and uh that's how i became alive again 
not just existing in life, but actually being alive, designing my life, creating my life, embracing challenges, facing challenges, and learn to figure things out. I think that's um. There's some great insights there, and uh, what I really liked was that early on, in as you were just talking about the whole idea of manifestation, and, and and just the way that you started sort of almost the energy, and the ball was sort of was rolling before life then took over in terms of you like say mm-hmm. having to move and and your husband changing his job and that kind of thing, and it's it's really interesting, isn't it? How sometimes that happens. It just starts with a feeling, where it starts with an idea, or, or just the knowledge that something's about to change, and then from that, everything sort of starts to take place often if you just allow it to be the case like you said once you get out of your comfort zone but that's the that's where all these real growth things happen where you can just expand into the opportunities that you wanted really absolutely and i do think our the universe like is giving us signs you know like i think you just need to have the courage to do it it's like the, the universe is telling you i come to korea you're going to change your life and uh, I, I just listened to my gut. I was like, okay, let's do this. Even though I had no idea I was going to launch my own company, starting a show and doing all those things. I had no idea. But I'm so glad I came and just trusted, trusted the journey and trusted myself. Yeah, great. And that, that's such a big thing, isn't it? Just trusting the whole process is just so key. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you've explained to us a bit there about what your life looks like now. But I mean, how is that different from when you were younger and when you were growing up? Yeah, I grew up in China. I didn't come to the U.S. until I think 2003 to go to graduate school. I went to Syracuse. I got my master's degree, and uh, I later went to the University of Maryland. Both of them are in the United States. I got my Ph.D., and I think just reflecting on my life, the biggest change is technology. When I was young, growing up, we didn't have TV. We didn't have radio. We didn't have anything. We only just played outside and we had nothing. But now, like I was sharing with you before we started the the interview, yesterday I was in San Francisco, in Phoenix, Arizona, attending a Facebook workshop. And today I'm here in <laughs> South Korea. And next week I'm going to start teaching my classes. And my school is still in the United, United States, New Jersey. So... This is just so fascinating, and I'm a, like, it is so interesting when people ask me, like at the conference, like, "I, where are you from?" I don't even know how to answer that question because natively I'm from China, but a few years ago I became an American citizen, but now I'm in South Korea. But my job, it is still in the U.S., and I have this digital life. I just don't even know where if there is a specific location to define who I am. And it's just so interesting how much technology and the digital media devices are changing my life. Nowadays, my work, like almost 99% is digital. The people I work with, I'm writing a book and like so many other things I do. Like, I don't even think I met, I have a chance to meet like 50% of them, like most people I work with, I have never ever connected in person. Isn't that interesting? So I think this is like the biggest change in my life growing up and now just the the impact of social media, tech, technology, computer, and the digital media devices. 
and and what what really strikes me is the fact that you know you you travelled sort of halfway around the world to from China to the US, where you like to say you then became a citizen and you studied and and created your life there, and yet there we are just a few years later, and like you say, actually the the world is your home because. With, with the digital world as it is now everyone is just literally a phone call or a skype call or a zoom call away and um, exactly and and it's just it is just incredible that from from that sort of literal journey from from one continent to another everybody is literally just the other side of a of a, of a wire or a computer screen yeah like another quick story i started my facebook live show last year so my show has been joined by people from 15 different countries I never experienced that when I was a traditional college professor. I mainly have students from New Jersey, like one state. That's about it. But now for my for my classroom in the digital space, I have so many people from so many different countries, South Africa, Australia, United Kingdom. It is fascinating, all those people. And uh, it is so amazing. And last last month, we had a family vacation to Bangkok. Uh, Thailand, Chiang Mai. So we went to Bangkok, we went to Chiang Mai. And during that month, I was still working on our panel to be submitted to South by Southwest EDU. So I was still doing conference calls with people from two different countries, Australia and Slovenia to work on our panel when I was in, in Thailand. I was just like, oh my God. So yes, technology, transformative. Absolutely. And it, and I think that's the thing for everyone listening is just the fact that if you do feel confined by, you know, the, the, the small place that you live or, or, the, or what you deem to be the barriers around you, the world is such a small place and, and, and it can change very quickly just literally by having a, f- a phone call or, or realising that there are all these communities out there online as well as your, your visual and um, personal ones, which is yeah, it, it's such a key thing to keep hold of, I think. Um, so what was valuable about your school experience going back to your sort of learning as, as you were growing up what was the, the most valuable thing that you can remember about that yeah I, I hate to say this which is how much I hated learning <laughs> and so I still remember this when I was young and I started schooling probably like five or six years old I was really excited passionate I was like mommy and daddy I couldn't wait to go to school and then somehow 12 years later, I hated learning. And uh, like I think reflecting, because I grew up in China and received traditional Chinese education. I don't know the education system nowadays, but when I was young, it was mainly based on standardized exams and uh, like just memorize everything and uh, say whatever the teacher wanted to listen. And I had a little freedom to do things I wanted to learn to 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 learn in a way that made sense to me and I didn't understand why I was learning what I was learning in the classroom just I spent hours learning math physics chemistry because those were the subjects valued by the at least my school or uh, Beijing the capital city of China and uh, like I literally transformed from a little young six years old girl passionate about learning to like a, an 18 year old young adult who hated learning. And I, I also, I think the worst part was we were not allowed or maybe not allowed, not encouraged to voice our critical thinking, our personal opinions. We have to be 
agreeing on everything. That was so suffocating, so, so suffocating. But on the other hand, because of this experience, I became so passionate in terms of education reform and teaching students in a way to make them passionate about learning, encouraging their voices, giving them the agency to empower them to take ownership of their learning and to become out, like interested in alternative education. So that is kind of my whole journey, how everything is coming together. Because of this unfortunate experience, I become who I am today and someone so passionate about learning in the 21st century. And I think that's a really important lesson for us all to learn is the fact that some of the most valuable experiences we have aren't necessarily pos- um, positive ones. They can be really showing us what we don't want or where we don't want to go. So that exactly. it's really interesting to hear that actually you can gain as much out of that, even if you wish it was different. But like you say, it just gives you the, the burning desire for, for your life beyond that to then change. And I think that's a, it's a really key thing to take away from all of that. Yeah. Which teachers do you remember and and why is that? Yeah, this one teacher, she's my middle school English teacher, and I love her so, so, so much. Unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago, and I really loved her for two reasons. The first one was, and you know my story earlier, I didn't, I, I was slowly losing my interest in learning. But this teacher, she really believed in me, and she put me in this uh, important, like a leadership position. She was like, I, you can do it. I believed in you and you can be really good at English. So ironically, and I later became really good at it. So I don't even know if, if like which one comes first, right? Was I really good at English? And then she assigned me into this leadership position or this position made me become who I am. And uh, since middle school and uh, later high school and then eventually coming to the U.S., English is my strongest subject. I just love learning English language. So I really had to thank this teacher for that. And the second reason I really love her was that not only was she teaching us English grammar, like vocabulary, things like that, but she was also teaching us about life. That was so refreshing to hear. You know, when you were like 12, 13 years old, you were trying to figure out what is the purpose of my life? Why am I learning this? You have all those big questions in your mind that you wanted someone to talk to you, to answer your questions, but you don't know whom to talk to. So this teacher and every single class, she spent maybe 10 or sometimes even longer, sometimes even the entire class, like chatting with us about life, like motivating us. That was the best lesson and really, really motivated me and uh, helps me like, kind of say, see a different perspective on school other than being a, like a traditional student and started to think about my life after graduation, things like that. So for those two reasons. Yeah, I I can really understand that. I think when someone talks to you, one as a person and they see you for who you are, then that connection Mm -hmm. is something which is is invaluable. And and when they can then connect that to your life going forward and your surroundings as well, I think then you suddenly realise that all these things you're gaining at school in that sort of traditional learning environment, they're just tools to help you. But when you realise it's about you and the choices that you can make going forward, then I can really understand why that connection was such a powerful one for you. Mm -hmm. Um. Who did you admire when you were young? 
Yes, and this was not when I was like little, little, but this was after I came to the U.S. I think probably in my late twenties, and this teacher, oh my gosh, she made such a huge impact in my life. I started my educational journey like in the U.S. at Syracuse University. I spent two years at Syracuse, and my degree is in communication. And then I started my like PhD study at the University of Maryland, and my degree is also in communication. So for many years, I never had a chance to encounter any teachers from China, Korea, Japan, Southeast Asia, or even Asia in general. General. So I couldn't really see myself become a teacher eventually. There was no role model in my life to look up to in my day-to-day life. And until I started,、uh, I think this teacher is actually in in the Department of Education at the School of Education. And even though she's not in my own field, so I discovered this teacher. I took her one class from her, and then from that moment, I was like, finally. Finally, I met a teacher whose whose skin color is similar to mine, who looks like me, and someone I can relate to. And finally, that teacher teaching a class and becoming a successful like professor has given me so 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 much hope, knowing that one day in the future, after I graduated from Maryland, I may become someone like her. It was such a I don't even know life changing moment. So I took all of her classes until my advisor asked me, "I do you want to switch to education like department?" I was like, "No, no, no, no. I need to finish my degree." But that teacher and someone from my home country and looks like similar, share similar skin colors, made such a huge impact. It is not about learning. Almost, it is really about giving myself hope. So she has given me so much hope, and that's why I love her so much, and I really admire her. She was just literally I idolized her. I was like, yes, I would just do exactly what you did, and one day I would be like her. And I still remember those moments. Yeah, I could really, yeah. I mean, just the impact of just being able to identify with someone, isn't it? I think that's 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 the key. You can just sort of see yourself in someone, um, both physically, um, or emotionally, or spiritually, or, or whatever that connection happens to be. And I think then you can, it's that sort of common goal, isn't it, or that common identification, which,、uh, yeah, I can see how that can really impact. So. So much on your um, on your sort of identification with yourself as well as the people around oh, you. Oh yeah, I I think that's why diversity is such important. You know, like in media, it is so important for children from different countries, from different cultures, to actually see themselves in media. It is so important. Like I, I'm I'm an advocate of that because just having that level of relevance can really save or break a child, their dreams, their future. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely couldn't agree with, any, with that anymore. We're just really the the media. That's a that's a whole different podcast. But <laughs> I can I、yeah, can see、exactly. we can chat about、like、that forever. Pos- yeah, positive role models. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>、um, and so, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given, and who was it that gave it to you? Yeah, I actually have a quick story for this, and、uh, it is it is not by a person. I think I was reading a book. And I I forgot the name of the person who wrote the story in China. Like we do palm reading, and if you、uh, take out one of your hands, and you will see 
on your hands, the inside has like different lines, right? Like kind of wrinkles here and there. So the line that is closest to your thumb, and we call that one the lifeline. So what lifeline does is it symbolizes longevity, lifespan. So the longer that line is, and I mean, theoretically, the longer your life is supposed to be. But the interesting part is if you are making a fist, and you will notice that more than two-thirds of this lifeline is going to be inside your fist. So what this tells us is we control our lives. And two third, more than two-thirds of our lifelines are inside our hands, inside the fist, and we control our lives. Don't let other people control your life and uh, use yourself. Allow yourself to design your own life. So that story has been with me like forever, especially coming to the U.S. and starting this journey. I love that story. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that sounds amazing, and I can just I can picture that whole analogy that just works so well for for getting across such a, such a great piece of advice there. Um, what advice would you give your younger self now, as sort of someone looking back and and being able to sort of uh, give that advice from someone of a slightly older position? Yeah, definitely believe in yourself. And I think growing up and we spend lots of time like studying other leaders, successful people, but we spend so little time looking within, like who am I, what are my values, what am I passionate about, and we don't do that enough. And somehow our education system doesn't encourage that. We don't really encourage our students to embrace who they are, their authentic selves. So there is this like school standard, this uh, society standard and uh, expectations and standard from our parents, from other generations, from the media, from our environment. We spend too, too, too much time listening to others and trying to meet their expectation to the extent that we forget and ignore our inner selves. And I think reflecting on my own journey, that's why coming to Korea kind of triggered all of those things. And also before this point from China to the US also triggered a bunch of like actions or reactions and changes within me because I finally stopped listening to others and try to discover myself and try to discover my inner voice. So I really want to encourage others to believe in yourself. You know, don't worry too much about what others our society tells us, but listen to the voice within. I think that what I really enjoy about that whole concept is the fact that there are so many of us as we start to um, get older and you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now and you have that sort of reflection and, and like I say, you start to really delve within you to decide what you want to do and you have less in, interest in what other people think. But you don't need to get into middle age or you don't need to be elder to do that. You just need to be wiser and actually being wise can be at any age and I think you're absolutely right as soon as you can actually identify within yourself know who you are be authentic and then have the strength and the courage like you were saying before to actually then implement whatever it is that you think you want to do from there then that happens at any age whether you're a parent whether you're a child um exactly go for it whenever you get that sense of who you are your identity and just really go for whatever it is that you want to do full-heartedly I have to share with you because I started this kind of self reinvention journey last year. And now I feel like I finally discovered my calling. 
and it is such an amazing feeling. My calling, my purpose, my interest, my passion, everything is so aligned with what I'm supposed to do. And for the first time ever in my life, I can truly say I love Mondays. I love what I do. I love going going to work, quotation marks. And uh, I never truly experienced that before. But now I see this is possible. I believe everyone has their zone of genius. And they need to work within to discover that. I don't think anyone is going to tell you. Maybe some people will. But you still have to do the homework yourself to really discover and look within to discover that zone of genius. Yeah, and I do love the sort of uh, almost dichotomy, as it were, of the fact that especially when you're young, you're looking out to get as much information Mm -hmm. as you can, as much advice as you can, and the world is your oyster. But actually, the most important journey is that inward-looking one so that it gives you the freedom to then expand out of there. And uh, that that really does sort of strike a chord with me as well. And um, and so so from sort of your sort of journey in this sort of last year or so, which seems like a a fantastic one for you, um, what does your future look like from here? I am an advocate of educators becoming practitioners. You are in education, we know like one of the problems, at least in higher education, is the gap between what we teach in the classroom and what students do in real life. And I think to really shrink the gap, we have to start with educators. And uh, when I was attending this uh, Facebook workshop from Dennis Yu, and uh, he shared their business model, which is learn, do, and teach. So I think the doing part is what is missing in our education. We learn and we teach, but we don't do enough, especially as the as a, a teacher. And uh, my teaching career transformed once I started to walk the talk, to embrace social media, to embrace communication as a practitioner, not just a college professor talking about this, but a practitioner or entrepreneur practicing this in my day-to-day life, that makes a huge difference. So I really want to establish myself as a, like a leader in this, I don't even know if there's a proper term for this, educator entrepreneurship, I don't know. So, But the intersection of education and the technology and entrepreneurship, I want to bring the three elements together and uh, I want to continue to craft my skills as a digital learning consultant to help other educators learn how they how they can incorporate social media to transform their classroom teaching and their professional careers. And my other friend and I, we are also writing our first self-published book. So in our book, we interviewed a bunch of educators who later become entrepreneurs or who are still educators but have their side hustles. And we interviewed them and shared their stories. Our book is to show educators the possibilities outside of academia and how they can leverage digital media and technology to enhance their own professional careers. And with the launching of that book, we are also thinking to launch a like entrepreneurship academy so which is to train educators and to give them the necessary resources and support to become practitioners if they want or to 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 improve their skills outside of the classroom and the reason was when I started my journey, I was just kind of like figuring things out, learning on my own. I made lots of mistakes. I really wish 
there was a service like geared toward educators who are not satisfied with being traditional educators who wanted more in their lives but didn't know how to get started. So that's kind of how we see our Edupreneurship Academy is going to fill in the void. So that's kind of my goal for myself in the next two or three years. I think it's a great journey to be on it. And it, and it, I really identify with that because um, as, as a younger student, you know, I, I completely understand that kind of the, the, the teacher in the classroom and being told things and all that kind of thing. But then... Um, because uh, I'm a musician, I um I went to music college in London and, and learned how to be a professional percussionist. Um, and at that stage, um, I was taught by some of the greatest musicians um in the UK. You know that they, they were playing for world famous orchestras, and it was exactly what you said. You know they were doing it day in day out. I was watching them in mm-hmm. my lesson, but I was also watching them on the telly, listening to them on the radio. You know, interacting with them in rehearsals. Um. And and I, I can sort of see both, both sides of the coin here because actually having professional people in whatever field that happens to be wanting to give back and to teach other people, absolutely giving them the skills to be great teachers. And as you said, the people that love the teaching already, giving them the skills to know what the actual working environment is. And I think once those two things join, then all of a sudden the whole sort of market of education, as it were, just explodes, doesn't it? Exactly. I think you, you, you mentioned such a great point. Practitioners, educators, and also our students. And I always try to tell my own students, don't think that you can learn everything from me because I only know this much. And you also need to take ownership in your own learning, becoming a student and also becoming a practitioner yourself, regardless of your age. Start to practice everything you learn in the classroom. I think we all need to embrace this learn, do, and teach model as students, parents, practitioners. It is a holistic system. I think you're absolutely right. And um, and, and, and in terms of that kind of, like you say, looking looking beyond just the person that's actually teaching you in front of you. Um, um, so what sort of podcast or book, um, film, video, song, what, what resource has had the biggest impact on your life and why? And I guess sort of how that sort of, like you just said, reflects beyond just the, the teachers that you have during your growing up. Yeah, I think, you know, in life, I see life as like have life has different phases or different stages. And last year I started like maybe someone called mid-age crisis. <laughs> so this self-reinvention journey. But I have been like in higher education for almost or in education for my entire life. And education is a service industry. And uh, people are used to like doing service. Everything is a service and uh, doing free work. And uh, because most teachers are so underpaid. So I think we are used to being broke. And so like I, I had this huge mental block on money. First of all, I was not comfortable with talking about money. I don't even want to talk about it. And second, I just don't feel comfortable going outside of my comfort zone to make more money or even like call myself, oh, I'm a consultant. I actually do service outside of school and you have to pay me. I I couldn't say that. It was so hard. I I literally had to work on myself. So there is one podcast that really helps me to overcome that particular self-limiting belief. It is called Mind Your Business. And it is by James Whitemore, W-E-D-M-O-R-E. 
And、uh, since I discovered this person and his podcast, it's not only about teaching you the business, the social media, the digital marketing aspect of doing whatever you are supposed to do, but also about working on our mind. You know how to overcome our mental challenges, mental blocks, self-limiting beliefs, and through that podcast, I got connected with many people. I just like stalk them, quotation marks, on social media and learn from them and realizing, okay, I'm not the only person who suffer from self like imposter syndromes or self-limiting beliefs. Many people actually struggle with that. So that gave me so much more confidence and hope. But that podcast, it was life changing last year. That's brilliant, and it's so valuable that, isn't it? Like you say, just to be able to、um, push through and also find other people in the same boat. And I think once you realise you're not、oh, alone、yeah. in these things, that really just opens the door for some really sort of valuable work on on what it is that you're sort of exploring. Exactly, exactly. Especially, I think. If you are just starting out on a journey, I think it is normal to just feel like, okay, who am I to do this? You know, and、uh, that's why I love to connect with more successful people who also embrace vulnerabilities. I'm an advocate that vulnerabilities create connectivity. Very often, like in the digital space, everyone is sharing, "Oh, my life is perfect. I'm amazing. I just did this. I did that." We all do that, but so few people are actually sharing the struggles in their lives, or like their self-limiting beliefs. So when I do connect with leaders who are way before me, and when they also share, "Oh my God, that was such a a moment to understand that I'm where, where I am." It's okay. Look at those people who have been on this journey for so many years. They also struggle with A, B, C. It is okay that I also have those problems, and、uh, so I really enjoy connecting with those leaders who are a lot more authentic, who share like more the vulnerable, or not more, but equally, they expose what makes them vulnerable. And、um, those people are really like they made an impact in my life. And for those people listening who、um, who can, I can just sort of hear them identifying and saying, "I want more, I want more, I want to know more."、Um, what's the best way for them to connect with you and to find out more about you? Oh,、uh, so my talking about personal branding. My name is I Addison Zhang. This A I A D D Y S O N Z H A N G. On every single social media platform, and even my Gmail. So I Edison Zhang at gmail dot com. So please feel free to reach out to me. I love building social connections. I love to hear from you and help you in a way, in whatever way I can. Well, that's absolutely fantastic, and、um, thank you, I,、um, for sharing your wisdom、um, and allowing us to learn from your great experiences. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mark. The honor is all mine. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.